Praise God. Amen. Father, we thank you this, this morning for your grace, your, your mercy, your loving kindness. And we thank you, Father, for filling us up this morning. Uh, thank you for the overflow of your spirit. We thank you for how he's working in our lives, even right now, Lord. Thank you for his wonderful working power. We thank you, Father, that we can be filled with the Spirit of God. For it was indeed Paul the Apostle who said, you no longer need to be filled with wine, but you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And we thank you today, Lord God, that his evidence is shown forth in our lives because we are filled by your Spirit. So right now, Father, we thank you, we love you, and we bless you. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the authority of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the direction of the Holy Spirit. Thank you that the Holy Spirit orders our steps. And the Bible tells us that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord and that you delighteth in his way. So right now, God, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. We want to give you praise, God, for who he is in our lives. We want to thank you, Lord God, that he is the wonderful counselor who has counseled us to this point of our lives. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for his wonderful working power, the power to heal, the power to set free, the power to deliver. Thank you for his power today, God. We receive it right now in the name of Jesus. We humble our hearts this morning to receive his wonderful working power. God, some are here with troubled minds, troubled hearts, situations where we don't know what to do or where to go. But right now we yield to the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for his healing power working right now in each and every one of us. Thank you that his peace is still in this place. We love you and we bless you. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God praise if you don't mind. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank God for his peace this morning. Amen. Amen. Listen, it's good to see you all. If you don't mind uh, turning with me to the book of um, 1 Timothy. So our children are dismissed to Children's Church. Amen. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Praise God. Amen. Thank God for our praise and worship team this morning. And 1 Timothy chapter 3. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Trying to wait till the children leave, but we got some kind of, amen. Give God praise for the next generation. <laughs> amen. Thank God for this. Thank you for bringing your uh, children to church and your grandchildren. 
There's no better place for them to be, in my opinion. Amen. Amen. I'm going to share this quickly. I don't want, want y'all to stand too long, but let me let me share this. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, when I was probably my son's age, Isaac's age, uh, my grandfather, Everest Jr., who went to a church in um, Maysville, and he he asked me one day, he said, son, you want to go to church with me? I said, yeah, I'll go with your granddaddy. And we got in his old GMC, uh, might have been a Chevrolet, pickup green truck. You know, I can see it, you know, like like the like it was just yesterday. We got in that old truck and we went to a church. If I call the name of it, I ain't going to call the name of it. But if I call the name of it, y'all would know it in Maysville. And I remember um, going into the choir stand with my granddaddy. And he had uh, you know, the choir robes with the, all the, the people in the choir. And I was the youngest kid up there. And I just sat up there and watched them worship the Lord. And I'll never forget that. You know, my granddaddy took time out of his schedule. To take me to church, Amen. Y'all, 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 uh, take your children and grandchildren to church, Amen. We take them everywhere else, don't we? <laughs> so, amen. Take them to church, and and I remember that that was years ago, but but that's an indelible memory in my heart that my granddaddy sought fit to take me to church, Amen. I didn't know what they were singing at the time, but I I I, I quickly figured it out, Amen. Praise God. Listen, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 8, I want to read this to you. The Bible says, deacons likewise, must be men of integrity, not double-tongued or addicted to much wine or fun or sordid gain, but holding to the mystery of of the faith, that's the gospel, with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested. Then let them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women, or some translations say wives, must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things, Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their households. For those who have served well as a deacons, as deacons, obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Thank you for um, the reading of the word today. Uh, the subject today is, it's your serve. It's your serve. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his holy word. And the church said, amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of our life-changing king. Praise God. Somebody say, it's your serve. <laughs> Many of us, we... In our homes, in our kitchens, we, we have appliances. And the interesting thing about appliances is appliances do not serve themselves. For example, toasters who, that toast their own bread, they don't eat the bread that they toast. Uh, microwaves that warm the food, 
that's placed inside of the microwave, they don't eat the food that's, that they want. Uh, refrigerators that refrigerate our food, freezers that freeze our food, neither one of them eat or consume the food that they freeze. Our stoves that prepare and cook the food, the stove and oven, they, they don't consume the food that they warm and cook for us. I like to say appliances are not selfish because they serve the needs of others. Uh, we benefit from the appliances that serve us. If it were not for the appliances, many of us wouldn't have probably had that cup of coffee this morning. Or we wouldn't have eaten breakfast or any of the other things that we partook in. But God has assigned a divine purpose and fulfillment specifically for the church and those of us who make it up to serve one another. If you're in the business of being served and not serving, then you're in the wrong business. For Jesus declared in the book of Mark's gospel, chapter 10, verse 45, he said, I came not to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life a ransom for all. Today, I want to talk with you about specifically the office of the deacon in the church. Now, I know when I mention deacon, there's so many imagery, Im images that come to our mind. We think of maybe the deacons that we knew growing up. And that's not a bad thing, amen, because deacons had their role and had their part. But I think some clarity needs to be established as it relates to roles and responsibilities in the church. Okay? Uh, we do better when we know better. And, and today I want to uh, erase any theory, uh, any tradition that we may have picked up in relation to the office of the deacon to bring clarity. Uh, some of us grew up in what's called a deacon-ran church, where the deacons ran the church. Now, I'm going to show you where deacons have their place in the church. And, and one of the reasons I'm doing this, because in this church, on November 20th, we're going to have an ordination service, uh, ordination and licensing service. And I want our whole church to be informed as it relates to what the scripture says uh, about those who serve us. Not only deacons, but we'll get into uh, elders and, and even pastors, as I want you to understand and have a, uh, a spiritual understanding of what it means to, to serve. Uh, not for any of us to be left out, but how many of you know that all you are called to serve? Uh, there, there are people right now, even under the sound of my voice, who are ministers, who are deacons, who are future elders, and, and, and this message is for you. So look at the person sitting next to you and say, this is for you. Amen. If it's not for you, it's for the person sitting next to you. All right. <laughs> so, amen. But one of the things that God desires is when we connect to a church, we are to exercise our gifts, talents, and abilities. Here it is for the glory of God. Amen. amen. It's for the glory of God. Now, if you're doing it for somebody else, then you can just have a seat. All right. 
But it's for the glory of God. Is anybody got a witness in this place? Do we? Amen. We serve because we love Jesus. Amen. So, so I want to help you today because uh, one of the, uh, the the challenges in the church is, in many churches, is th- there, there's no order. There, there are appliances, but nobody wants to serve. Um, so I, w- I want to begin in a few places. I'm, I'm just going to take my time this morning, so y'all flow with me this morning. The issue of serving, I think, profoundly arise in the book of Exodus. So remember, the, the children of Israel, they, they fell into Egyptian bondage, and they were in bondage for, uh, the Bible tells us, 430 years. And if you can imagine for a moment being under the rule and control of a pharaoh of a nation that didn't honor God, for 430 years, you're going to pick up some things that you need to get rid of. Okay? So we know, and I'm not going through this, but, but, but God allowed 10 plagues to come upon the land of Egypt with that last plague being the death of the firstborn of everything that was born. So, uh, for example, Pharaoh's firstborn son died as a result of that. All the firstborn animals died as a result of that plague. And Israel was protected from that plague because um, God told them and gave them specific instructions to take the blood of a sacrificed lamb and put it on your doorpost. And when the death angel of the Lord comes, he will pass over your residence, not allowing your firstborns to be harmed. Thus the term pass over and is celebrated even unto this day. Why? Because the death angel passed over the chosen people of God and spared them from a death that otherwise they would have succumbed to. Isn't God good? Amen. God had a plan. And, and God had a plan to get Egypt uh, Uh, Here it is. He had a plan to get Egypt out of the Israelites as he was getting the Israelites out of Egypt. Did you catch that? All right. (laughs) See, sometimes we can come out of places, but the places are still in us. And God has to spend uh, time working in and through us to get that which consumed us out of us so that we can be uh, sovereign and, and solely for him. He wants he wants to be served and he wants to be served alone. Somebody say alone. He wants to be served alone. So so God's mission and purpose was to get uh, Israel out of Egypt. Here it is. We talked about it this morning. Thank you. Praise team to worship him. To worship him. And I love man. I, I love this church. I love how, uh, you know, and here it is. Here, 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 here's the clarity on that. We can't praise God silently, but we can worship him silently. Y'all hear me? And God wanted to get the people out of that place into another place where they can begin to worship God. All right. But, you know, there, there, there's there's turmoil. Anytime you try to do something for God, the enemy, he, he's going to raise his head. He's going to make all kind of noise. And, and and an old Pharaoh and his boys, they, they say, we're going to get these Israelites. They can't leave us dry like this. We're going to come after them. And they came after them. And, and God had opened up the Red Sea, allowed the Israelites to walk on dry ground. They on dry ground walking across the Red Sea. And then when Pharaoh and his army come and chase the Israelites, God allowed the winds to blow to drown the enemy 
And as I often say, God told them before that the enemy you see today, you will never see again. Man, that's so encouraging. So so watch this now. So so now they're out of Egypt. And over two million people need instruction and direction to what to do. Can you imagine this? I mean, they've been under Egyptian rule all this time and they picked up some Egyptian habits and now they're free. But they're still in bondage in their hearts because their heart is still associated with that which they came out of. So God raises up Moses, who is a type of Christ, and he begins to work through Moses to instruct the people of how to be followers of God. All right. I think I set that up where I need to set it up. Now, go with me to Exodus 18 and let me show you, because the burden of what Moses was enduring was very heavy. Can you imagine millions of people who uh, who 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 have inherited a culture where they think that culture is right? But now they're coming before Moses daily to get insight for oversight on their life and their situation. OK, so 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 Moses, in this particular passage of scripture, his father in law, Jethro, amen, uh, his, his wife, Zipporah and the children, uh, Jethro brings them back and he connects them to Moses. And while he's visiting, he's observing some things that Moses is doing. OK, so watch this now. Follow along with me in Exodus 18, beginning in verse 13. And the Bible says it came about the next day that Moses sat to judge the people and the people stood about Moses. Watch this from the morning until evening. How now now when Moses's father in law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, what is this thing that you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as a judge? And all the people stand about from morning until evening. Moses said unto his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, it comes to me and I judge between a man and his neighbor and make known the statutes of God and his ways. So this is what's happening. Moses. From morning to evening, don't miss that. He's standing and the people are coming to him alone and they're asking Moses to give uh, insight to a situation that's going on in their family. For example, let's say that somebody, uh, a neighbor stole from another neighbor. All right. Uh, that those neighbors are coming to Moses and they say, hey, somebody has stole my um, my car and they telling me they haven't stolen my car, but my car is in their parking lot. OK, uh, somebody's told me that they didn't steal my earrings. But even when I come to church on Sunday, I see them with my earrings on. <laughs> so they're bringing all kind of stuff to Moses. Hey, I'm ready to I'm ready to end this marriage. I'm ready. And they bring in all this to Moses. And from morning to evening, Moses is hearing this account. And Jethro, who happens to be visiting, he's standing there watching. Now, he's a priest and he's standing there watching and he's like, wow. And this has got to be tough for you to be enduring during during all this this type of uh, uh, insight th that the people are bringing you and watch in verse 17. Now, watch this. Moses, father in law, 
he said to him, the thing that you are doing is not good. Why not? You will surely wear out both yourself and these people who are with you, for the task is too heavy for you. You cannot do it alone. Isn't that beautiful? You cannot do it alone. You cannot do it alone. Somebody say, you can't do it alone. Okay, what do I need to do then? Watch this, verse 19. Now, listen to me. I will give you counsel. Thank God for godly counsel. And God be with you. You be with the people's representative before God, and you bring the disputes to God. Then teach them the statutes of the laws and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and the work they are to do. Furthermore, verse 21, you shall select out of all the people able men who fear God, men of truth, those who hate dishonest gain, and who shall place, and you shall place them over uh, them as leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. Let me go back to verse 20. Listen to this. What kind of what kind of people are you looking for? I'm, I'm looking, he says, I need you to I need you to look for people, then teach them the statutes of the laws of God, and make known to them the way in which they are to walk and to work they are to do. Furthermore, you shall select out of them people who are able, who, who fear God, notice that, number one, have a healthy referential fear of God, men of truth, not liars, those who hate dishonest gain. That's somebody who sees something going on that's a little fishy, and they, they open up their mouth and they say something about it. Okay. All right. They, they're, they're bold enough to open their mouths and say, hey, that's not right. That's that's dishonest gain. We're not doing this in the right way or the right fashion. And you shall place them over. And notice this. Some people have watch this. The anointing for thousands. OK, you'll, you'll find some people that, that and, and, and you need to understand this. If God has given you a gifting where you're anointed to oversee thousands of people, praise God for that. But you know better than the one that has an anointing to operate uh, with, with 100. All right. It's, it's the same spirit. OK, uh, um, so so we, we need to understand that neither do we need to fall in um, jealousy because somebody has more than we have. All right, man, they got man. I'll show I'll show wish. And that's why people end up folding because they try. They're trying to reach the heights of something that God never called them to. And they fabricate growth where it's not spiritual. It becomes manufactured, and God can't bless what you create. God only blesses what he creates. If you create it, then you got to bless it. But if God creates it, he's going to bless it. So notice there are different levels, all right? There's thousands, there's hundreds, uh, there, there's fifties, there's tens, but, but it's the same spirit that worketh all in all and that's the point I want to get across let me pick this up quickly so so notice the counsel that he's giving Moses he says look you need to look among you and you need to find you men who meet this attribute and you need to put them over this amount of people now notice this he says if you do this thing verse 23 and God so commands you then you will be able to endure and all these people also will go to their place in peace so Moses listened to his father-in-law 
and did all that he said, Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, leaders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, of tens. They judged the people at all times, the difficult dispute they would bring to Moses, but every minor dispute they themselves would judge. Then Moses bade his father-in-law farewell, and he went his way into his own land. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. And it shows us, people of God, it shows us a form of government where God has established order in chaos. Okay? Um, now, now, I'm going to peer this down and make it relevant to us as, 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 a, as a church. Okay? Uh, I am what I like to call what we have here is a plurality of elders. Okay? So we have an elders council. We have deacons. That would comprise of the government of New Generation Church. Okay? I'm an elder amongst many. In other words, I, I sh gladly share the duties of this ministry with other people who are capable of, of doing it. Okay? If, if I, as a pastor, let me just be real with you, if I had to preach, if I had to counsel, if I had to clean the church, if I had to do the finances of the church, if I had to talk to every member every day, if I had to do all those things, I'd be worn out. Somebody said, well, I wouldn't. I'm operating in the spirit of God. Well, let me know how that works for you when you do that. All right. I work in the spirit of God, too, but I work with some wisdom and some and some sense. <laughs> OK, amen. So 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 God in his infinite wisdom, when, when Jesus says uh, he says to the to, to the disciples, he says, upon this rock, watch this now. He says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's powerful. OK. In other words, I'm about to build a, a church, Peter. And when I build this church, the gates of hell are going to try to prevail, but it will not prevail. OK. And I believe one of those reasons it will not prevail, not only the authority of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit, but because of order. OK. When there's established order in our churches, in our families, in our communities, then it invites the presence of God, amen, where he can come in, reign, and rule, okay? Psalms 133 says it like this, where there's unity, God commands blessing, okay? I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of a church where God is commanding blessings, okay? How does that happen? That happens through the unity of the saints, recognizing that we all have varying gifts, but when our gifts work together, it creates a, 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 a beautiful uh, sound that attracts other people. In other words, anybody ever been years ago when I took a music class in college, they made us go to a symphony. Now, I wouldn't have gone to a symphony, to be honest with you, had not I got credit for it. <laughs> Just to be honest, I had to, in order for me to make a good grade on that, uh, that semester, uh, Brother Joe, I had to go to, to the symphony down at the Mobile uh, yeah, Singer Theater, whatever it was. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And one thing I noticed, at the beginning, man, they were making all kind of different sounds, all these instruments, making all these sounds. And, man, I said, man, where am I? this sounds terrible. I got to get out of here. I can't, I can't endure this too much longer. And they're making all these different kind of sounds. But all of a sudden, I see somebody get up with a little old stick. And, 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 and he or she, I can't tell from the distance where I was sitting, they beat it on this 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 uh, little platform here, 
and everybody stopped. And all of a sudden, they began to do this, and there was the sweetest music, man. I mean, the percussions and the, the violins and, and the, 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 the winds and the, the pipes, every, everything was harmonious. And it was, it was beautiful. Why was it beautiful? Because they were all reading from the same sheet of music. And when we began as a church, watch this now, to read from the same sheet of music in our serving, we make a beautiful sound before the Lord. And God commands blessings where there's unity. Now watch this now. As we fast forward to the New Testament church, we find in the book of Acts chapter 6. Go there with me quickly. Amen. Somebody said, what about 1 Timothy chapter 3? We're coming back there. All right. But go to Acts chapter 6 and watch this now. Because there was a problem in the church. In the early church, there were actually, uh, there were many problems. But the first two problems uh, you can find in Acts chapter 5 and in Acts chapter 6. You remember in Acts chapter 5, this husband and wife couple, uh, they lie to the Holy Ghost. Okay? And essentially, they, they die as a result of their lying. That's how thick and how powerful the spirit of God was moving back then. They lied about an amount that they said they gave to the church. They stood up and said, we're going to give $10,000. They ain't even give 1000 And the Lord said, why did you lie? Why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? It was yours to do what you wanted to do with it. You didn't have to get up and let people know you were going to do something that you weren't going to do. And, and, and fear fell upon the church when they saw them being carried out. Okay, so here we have the second problem in the church in Acts chapter six. And I want you to follow along with me. Watch this now in Acts chapter six. I want you to get a better understanding. That's why we're doing this. A better understanding of what church government is and why it's important in the church. The Bible says in verse one of chapter six, it says now at this time, while the disciples were notice increasing in number, a complaint arose on the part of of the Hellenistic Jews against the native Hebrew Jews, uh, Hebrews, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So one of the tasks of the church for the widows, they would provide food for the widows. And, and, and now we have some beef because uh, we, we see that one set of the widows is being served according to them better than the other set of widows, okay? And they began to murmur, okay? Now, murmuring can be a good thing for a church or it can be a bad thing for a church, okay? Um, all murmuring is not bad, as indicated in the scripture. And I'm going to show you this. When you hear murmuring in the church, it is an indication that there needs to be an increase in that ministry, Okay? So here they're murmuring because they're not being served in the fashion that they so deserve to be served. And it may be very true. One thing about murmuring is you need to give ear to it. You don't need to bury it and pretend like it's not there. OK, so 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 one, one group of widows is saying, hey, they being served. We ain't been served in two days. Why are they being served? Y'all are favoring them because they're Hebrew or y'all are favoring them because. They're, they're Hellenistic. So, 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 so there was tension growing. And anytime there's tension growing, it, it, can, it can be a deterrent from the word of God, which is why we're all here. We're here to get more insight for oversight as it relates to what Jesus is saying. And these things can become deterrents. Somebody say deterrents. 
And it's an indication that service is needed in the church. So notice this. Notice what happens. So the 12, these are the 12 apostles. Now, remember, uh, Judas was dead. But by then, by, by this time, they had already uh, identified another apostle to join with them. And it says the, the, the 12, they summoned the congregation of the disciples and said, it is not desirable for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Not that they were too proud to serve tables, but they understood the importance and had an appreciation for the word of God. Notice this next verse. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation. Notice this. What are they to have first? A good reputation. Full of what? Full of the spirit. Full, full of the spirit. Amen. And of wisdom whom we may put in charge of this task. All right. So he says, look, man, we, we got to find some people because we appreciate the word of God. We want the word to continue to go forth. But I need you to find and they listed it seven, the number of perfection or sometimes completion. We need to find men who are full of the spirit. Not somebody with the biggest Cadillac. All right. <laughs> we, we want not somebody with, with 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 clout in the community and on the job. And, you know, we're not trying to bring in anybody like that. We want somebody who is full of the spirit. Somebody say full of the spirit. And of wisdom. And we want them to have a good reputation. All right. Um, man, it's a, it's a, the Bible says the name is more precious than silver and gold. You, you want favor to be upon your life? Make sure your name is good. You walk into places and because of your name, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all got stuff and then have been places that you had no business going and being because your name was good. And you had integrity. And God said, you know what? Oh, OK. You know, and, and, and that's how promotion can come in the kingdom of God. But they were very specific in terms of who they were looking for. Now, notice this. It says. Therefore, the brethren selected from among them, you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit of wisdom of whom we may put in charge of this task. Verse four. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. They had an appreciation for the word of God. The statement found approval with the whole congregation. And they chose, watch this, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and, Procur and Procurus, and Nic Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. Watch this. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them. Notice what happens. The word of God kept on spreading, and the number of disciples continued to increase. What's that word? Greatly in Jerusalem, and great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Man, when things got in order, the church began to multiply. Amen. It began it began to multiply. In other words, you know how you you know, uh, you can add something up, but it's a lot quicker and a lot uh, faster to multiply. Amen. Give me multiplication over addition any day. Amen. And this is what God did to the church. He saw that they set order. They got things in order and he began to multiply the church. What happens when a church begins to increase its leadership after praying and after seeking God's face for 
uh, uh, for people to serve in the ministry, the church begins to go to another level. There's another level of anointing that the church goes to that it did not have before because now it is strengthened through the men and the women who have connected to their call of God in the church to take us to a whole nother level. Are y'all hearing me today? Amen. So, so, so I don't want you to uh, underestimate the gift, talent, and ability that God has given you because the church needs it. Are y'all hearing me? And we go through the stratosphere. Somebody says, well, I just don't know what, well, I didn't know what to do when I started pastoring. And I still don't know what to do. <laughs> but thank God for the good, the great, and the chief shepherd. Amen. Amen. So, so, so when, when, you, when you step out for God, this is what I, I begin to notice about God, Tim. Every, every time that we took steps, God opened it up. If we stand here and we just say, man, I sure wish. No, you got to get to moving. It's, it's, it's forward action and trusting him. It's faith. Amen. F forward. Amen. Y'all know this. A action. I N T trusting H who him forward action and trusting him. And as a church, as we're obedient and open to what God wants to do in this church, there's going to be multiplication and increase. Okay. now now watch this now. God is not so much interested in numbers as much as he is interested in making numbers count. Give me 100 who are ready to go for the Lord full time and rather than 10,000 who just want to look cute. Y'all hear me say that often. All right. God's not interested in numbers. He's interested in making numbers count. We talked about that with Gideon a few weeks ago. Amen. Go back and watch that on the YouTube if you need to get a refresher on it. Amen. So, so watch this now. So he called, he called these men, and, and, and then the, the, the church began to go to a whole nother level. Ministry began to increase. Now, go to 1 Timothy chapter 3. So somebody's asking, okay, what are the qualifications for a deacon? All right. I'm glad you asked. I believe in this church that we're, although we're ordaining deacons uh, on November the 20th, there are others. <laughs> you know, I, I believe that. And we pray for that. God, send us men. Send us women who can be developed into the leaders that you called them to be in your kingdom. And we want to uh, allow them to exercise their gifts, talents, and abilities in the church. So this is Paul. He's writing to the church and he says, deacons likewise must be men of dignity. Now, what does that mean? I'm going to go through these quickly. There are about uh, nine qualifications of a deacon that I want to walk you through quickly, and I want to define each term, and then we're through, okay? All right? So they, they, have to, they have to be men. Notice what it says. Deacons, likewise, must be men of dignity. Now, the reason he says likewise, and we'll get into this later uh, in, a, in a future message, but the, the, the overseer and the bishop, if you will, or the elder or the pastor, the requirements for them is given in the previous scriptures. So from verses one through seven, you can see the requirements for a bishop who desires a good work or the overseer or pastor or elder. Those are, if you will, quote unquote, a job description for an elder or a deacon. OK, so that's why he says likewise. He says, you know what? In addition to what I've already given about the elders, uh, likewise, deacons ought to do these things that we're about to, 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 to do. Uh, as I said this morning, the only difference between the description of an elder and a deacon, really the only thing that you will find is that a deacon does not have to necessarily teach. He does not have to be able to teach. Now, I know what you're saying. 
we have some teaching deacons in this church. Well, praise the Lord for that. Amen. He says you don't have to be able to teach. In other words, you don't you don't have to. It's not a requirement for you to be a deacon to teach. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, and, and the reason that's important to mention uh, that deacons can teach is because those who were selected in the verse that we just read, Stephen was a mighty teacher. In Acts chapter seven, Stephen was teaching until his death. Flip over to Acts chapter eight, another deacon by the name of Philip. He meets this man over there in, 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 in the desert and he opens up the scripture. He has no idea what he's reading. The deacon comes alongside of him and he says, do you know what you're reading? And he says, how can I unless somebody tells me? And he begins to start right where he was reading. And he began in the book of Isaiah. He began to teach him about Jesus. And that deacon, deacon, deacon led that man to Christ. He baptized him and he went on his way. All right. So even though it's not a requirement, amen, I, I praise God for teaching deacons. Amen. amen. Praise God for that. Amen. So, so they must be men uh, of integrity. Th this term normally refers to, to something that is honorable, respectable, they're esteemed, or they're worthy, and is closely related to that word respectable. Okay? So, so these ought to be uh, people who are respectable. Somebody say respectable. respectable. Going down these pretty quickly when we say men of dignity. Here's one. They're not to be double-tongued. All right? Somebody said, what do you mean double-tongued? What kind of term is that? I don't know what that means. I'm glad you asked. It says th those who are double-tongued, they say one thing to a certain people, but then they say something else to others. Or say one thing but mean another. They are two-faced and insincere. Their words cannot be trusted, so they lack credibility. You can't have nobody on the ministry team that's double tongued. See, see, and I, I, I point this out too. Whatever, wherever you serve in this church, I appreciate as a pastor you serving in the capacity you serve. But you're not doing it as unto me. I can't reward you the way the Lord's going to reward you when it's all said and done. Okay? Our work is as unto the Lord, Colossians chapter 3, verse uh, 23, all right? It's, it's as unto the Lord. So don't, don't tell people one thing and then do another, all right? That just don't apply to, that's just the deacons. No, that's to you as the body of Christ, too. Let me keep it moving. Now, here's something interesting, and this always brings up a debate. Anytime uh, alcohol is mentioned, man, I tell you, especially with uh, maybe those who are unchurched or those who have not received Christ Jesus, the number one response, one of the number one responses is, well, didn't Jesus turn water into wine? And they want to park there to try to justify them not needing Jesus as Savior. Okay? Maybe a message for another day, but, but in this particular context, the Bible says that they're not to be addicted to much wine. Okay? Much wine. Uh, a, a, a man is disqualified for the office of deacon if he is addicted to wine and other strong drinks. Such a person lacks self-control and is undisciplined. Okay? Drunk deacons shouldn't be in the same sentence. Okay? Now, now he doesn't, he, now I need to, the scripture says, he sh I, I need to qualify this, he doesn't need to totally abstain all right. 
But don't use that as an excuse to say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm, what how, you, know, you don't want to go to that limit to where now your good is being evil spoken of because you've had too much. And people are looking, man, I'm telling you, they are looking and they see you with something in your hand and they go to this church, they're going to, man, they're going to come to the pastor. The pastor, guess what I said? I'm saying, what you doing in that place? How you see him in there? <laughs> but we're talking about the deacon, right? So he can't be addicted to wine. Okay? Also, watch this. Here, here's an interesting word. Fun of sordid gain. If, if a person, watch this now, is a lover of money, he is not qualified to be a deacon. If, he, if he's a lover of money, we, we got this straight the other day. Uh, God never said that one of the most misquoted scriptures in the Bible is what? Yep. Yep. It's the love, love of money. All right. God, you know, we need to get that straight. We need to understand the context of that. But if a deacon is uh, consumed by the things that he is purchasing, he's, he's, he's got too much money or too much month at the end of the money every month of the year. He might need to reevaluate where money is in his life. Is money a God? Do I, do I have a hold of money or does money have a, a hold of me? So if a person is a lover of money, he is not qualified to be a deacon, especially since deacons sometimes in this church, they, they handle financial matters. We don't want anybody who can't handle their own finances to come and try to handle the finances of the church. Can I just be honest? <laughs> I'm going through these quickly. The next one is very important. All these are important, but I love this one. They hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Okay, a clear conscience. Paul also indicates that a deacon must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. The phrase, the mystery of the faith, watch this, is simply the way that Paul is speaking of the gospel. Okay, it's the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Uh, the statement refers to the need for a deacon to hold firm to the truth without wavering. Somebody say without wavering. Yet disqualification does not merely involve in one's beliefs. For he must hold these beliefs with a clear conscience. That is the behavior of a deacon must be consistent with their beliefs. OK, there's got to be some consistencies there. In, in other words, if, if you're a child of God, there should be some evidence that comes out of your life that you're a child of God. Am I right about that? All right. If you say you love your neighbor and I don't see you loving your neighbor, that raises a red flag to do you really love your neighbor? Are you hearing me today? All right. So so a deacon, he must be um, hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Number six, he must also be tested. Now, I love this one because Paul writes that the deacons must be tested first and then let them serve as a deacon if they prove themselves blameless. Now, blameless, watch this, is a general term, and it refers to a person's overall character. Although Paul does not specific, uh, specify what type of testing it is to take place at a minimum, the candidate's personal background, reputation, his uh, theological position, all that should be examined. Uh, moreover, the congregation should see evidences that this person 
uh, even in their testing, they're still honoring God. Okay. So in other words, uh, what I love about this church is we have people who are serving who were maybe not even asked to serve. They see a piece of paper on the floor. They'll pick it up without asking if they have to pick it up. They already know they got to pick it up. All right. People joining with other people to help them uh, to, to take care of the of the task of, of, of the church and deacons there to be found serving. The, the people that we're ordaining, they're, they're found serving. They are serving. They are serving and they have already been serving for a long time. We thank God for that. Number seven is now this is interesting. He says women. Um, in verse seven, he says. Uh, he makes reference to, to, to women. Notice what he says here. I'm sorry, not in verse 11, I beg your pardon. He says, somebody said, what is seven? Pastor, you didn't say nothing about seven? All right. He says, women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, but temperate, faithful in all things. So is he talking about uh, women or is he talking about the wives of the deacons? Okay. Now, now, let me help you out with this, because I, I believe, according to the background, that he's actually potentially talking about both. OK, um, certainly the wife of a deacon should not be a malicious gossip, uh, should be temperate and should be faithful in all things, should be dignified. But but here here is room here. Stay with me. Uh, put it in your margin. Romans chapter 16, verse one and two. The, uh, the allowance for what we call in our modern day vernacular a deaconess. Okay? The, the word deacon, uh, diakonos, in the Greek, it means simply to serve. That's all it means. It means to serve. In the Latin, that word actually is translated as minister. That's what that word means in Latin. All right? But, but he's, 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 if you will, he's making allowance here for, a, uh, for, for female, female deacons. If you don't believe in female deacons, go to uh, Romans chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. You'll come across a woman by the name of Phoebe. Amen. And she was known as a deaconess. She was one who served and pretty much ran circles around, but she was a servant in the church. I'll leave that alone for another day. You're not trying to start any wars here today. Amen. But the whole point is, uh, whether you're a wife of a deacon or whether you happen to be in a position of a deaconess, you, don't, you, need, to, you, you need to be dignified. You don't need to be malicious gossip. You, you need to be temperate, and you need to be faithful in all things. Are y'all understanding that? The, the, the next one he talks about, he says here in verse 12, notice what he says. Deacons must be husbands of only one wife and good managers of their children and their households okay good managers of their children and their households that's important because if you're not a good manager of your children and your household how can you take care of the things of God not that everything's going to be perfect but they're, 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 you're the head of your home if you will and there's order set in your home because you're present and accounted for okay um, notice this now he, he also says husbands of one wife now Back in this day, there was such a thing, and even today, I think it's still going on today, believe it or not, polygamy. Y'all know what that is? All right. So, so people wake up when I say that. It's like, polygamy? What? <laughs> no, no, God's not for polygamy, y'all. Um, that's when you have multiple wives. And, and, and the point that Paul is making here is the wife you have now, you need to be faithful to. 
Okay? He says, there's no polygamy going on in what I'm trying in this business that I'm establishing. You know, you can't be a rolling stone and a deacon. Can I just say that? Y'all got that? All right. Yeah. We, we, can't, we, we, can't, we can't do all kind of things behind the scenes and come in here with a big deacon badge on Sunday and then do what we want to do Monday through Saturday. It just don't work, right? Yeah, that doesn't work. So polygamy was popular in that day, and it sent a mixed message to the church. Well, Deacon so-and-so got three wives, four wives, five wives. Why can't I have five wives? So Paul said, you know what? It's to the wife that you have now. You need to be faithful to her with no others. Are y'all understanding this? See, God is serious about marriage, people. He's serious about marriage. And, and, and uh, I'm getting into messages for our future day, but 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 but. Man, it's, it's, it's uh, respectfully, it, it's, it's busy enough to deal with one wife, isn't it? Can I say that respectfully? Y'all get what I'm saying? <laughs> My wife even admitted it, so praise the Lord. Nah, nah, but, you know, so, yeah, thank God for the wife we have. Singular. <laughs> Got it. And lastly, as I bring this teaching to a close, just teaching, I want you to understand, next time you think about a deacon, you're thinking more than, and respectfully, we all grew up with deacons who led us in devotion, and we thank God for those mighty men of valor. Many of my heroes were deacons in my church growing up. But deacons do more than devotion, or supposed to, according to the scriptures. Deacons do more than cause he doubles hockey sticks in the church you read about churches with deacons carrying guns to church that's because they're out of order there's no order established <laughs> y'all looking at me like i don't know what i'm talking about deacons must be husbands of only how many wives one wife and good managers of their children and their households for those I love this who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus a deacon must be a spiritual leader in his home can't lead the church of God if you're not leading your home as a minister as a deacon as a pastor as an elder that's very important to God, that we must have order in our house. But notice the promise that he says here in what I just read. He says, they obtain for themselves a high standing and great confidence in what? In the faith that is in Christ Jesus. We're going to be talking about serving. And I'm not trying to get you to serve for me. I recognize the benefit that you bring to the body of Christ and ultimately to the kingdom of God. Man, churches are not pretty buildings on the corners just to look pretty for people to pass by. We're here to help people. Not only here in Mobile and our surrounding neighborhood, but, but all over the world, God has given us a mandate to do what we can do.
I was telling the guys this morning in closing, we've never had enough in this church. Y'all know that? I remember we started the uh, campaign for our chairs. Y'all know how many, uh, how much we had to sew into the chairs when we started the campaign? Nothing. What y'all sitting in now? How does that happen? Faith. But faith without works is what? Never had enough. Never let the disqualification of what the enemy wants to tell you that is not enough of what you have in your hands. We do what Jesus did in John chapter 6 verse 11. He took the two fish and the five loaves and he lifted it up to the father and he thanked him for what he had. Right now you're dealing with something where you don't have enough. You don't have enough wisdom. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough insight. But I promise you one thing. When you begin to take what you have and you begin to lift it up before the Lord, the Lord will bless it and he will cause it to be more than enough in your life not only for you but for others people of God it's your time to serve it's your time to serve you're, you're, you're alive you're breathing you're well it's your time to serve what can I do I'm glad you asked we're going to talk a little bit about that next week all right so I'll, I'll see you I'll see you on, on next week as we talk about that in Jesus name but do this for me be in prayer for um, our ordination service our deacons um, yeah, we'll, we'll do that next week in Jesus' name. It's your time to serve. It's your serve. It's on you now. All right, it's on you now. What can you do? Just get busy doing it. God, uh, he'll open up opportunities for, for you to use your gift, especially in this church as we welcome it in Jesus' name. Just teaching this morning, Father, we do bless you and we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your loving kindness. And, and Lord, thank you for ordering our steps in your word and thank you for establishing church government and Lord we welcome the men and women that you have given gifts talents and abilities into this fold for your glory for others gain and for our growth Lord we thank you as we begin to compel them to come in from the north from the south from the east and from the west that they come into this place your house Lord God ready to exercise their gifts we thank you for Jesus the God man because without him, Lord God, we're nothing. But with him, we're everything. And we can do all things through him, Lord God. So we thank you, God, for life. We thank you for life more abundantly. Show us our purpose if we don't know it. And then allow us, Lord, to get behind it and to exercise our gifts for your glory. We do love you and we do bless you in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. Come on, give God a praise if you don't mind. Glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Listen, there are three appeals I always give. I try to give. Sometimes I forget, I forget. But let me give these three appeals this morning. We might have somebody here today who does not know Jesus Christ and pardon of your sins. And you may not know Jesus. And today is your day. I want you. The best thing you can do in life is surrender your life to Jesus. The Bible says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And he says, and I, Jesus, this is him speaking, and I will give you rest. He says, I want to make an exchange with you. Give me that yoke that you're carrying. 
and I'm going to give you a peace that passes all understanding where you can go on and live the best days of your life. Do I got a witness in this place today? Somebody who has surrendered their life to Jesus and your life is totally different. Amen. Amen. If you're here today.